Hello, dear friends. This is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable, and it is time for our weekly Bible study right here on our website. Let's talk about Jesus is <laughs> what we have named it. It used to be our radio broadcast for many years, and we just transferred from the radio to our website to carry on the Bible study that we were carrying on the radio. And we just thank you for those that followed us from the radio ministry to our web ministry. And those of you that have discovered our web ministry and you are consistently coming back, we just want to thank you for giving us the opportunity to rightfully divide the word. That's what we pray every time we come before you today, that we might rightfully divide the word of God, that we might not come with a preconceived idea or a bias or a denominational, uh, you know, preference, uh, although there are denominations that I really respect respect for their commitment to rightfully divide the Word of God. We're an independent ministry, highly dependent upon the Lord. Hallelujah. And especially the Holy Spirit, who the Bible says is the Spirit of truth. And when He comes, Jesus said He'll guide you into all truth. Praise God. Well, He's come, and He's here, and we're getting ready to go to God's Word today and to do something that He's going to help us do, because we want to talk about Jesus, the highly exalted one. Jesus, the highly exalted one. One And we just want to read some verses and then put them in context and just get down and dig for nuggets. <laughs> Amen. In the Word of God today. So we want to thank you so much for coming and being part of our outreach ministry from the Holy Church of God Incorporated right here based in Tampa, Florida, uh, working toward our 47th year of ministry. Thank the Lord. Maybe we past the 47th. It's been so many years. We are close to half a century of declaring the gospel of Jesus Christ wherever God will send it. And God has been so faithful to send his word. You know, we claimed a scripture when we began to get into media ministry that, that he sent his word and, and, and healed all those that were afflicted by, by whatever the affliction is and particularly the poison of sin. Amen. Listen today. God is working mightily in our world today. I believe the last day harvest is on. I believe God is moving very mightily and very quickly to get in the last day harvest before the door of the ark is shut, before the judgment of the tribulation begins to fall upon all the inhabitants of the earth. I love that scriptural promise. Amen. In the book of Revelation, it says, because you have kept the word of my patience, I will keep you from the hour of temptation that is is coming to try all the inhabitants 
of the earth. Oh, friend of mine, this is no time uh, to to be part of the falling away. This is a time to be part of the drawing close to God. And we pray that we can in some way encourage that in every Christian today. And if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that you will come to Him. This is no time to be living in this world without the hope that only the gospel can give you and only God can grant you as your sins are forgiven because you have repented of them and received Christ as your Savior. Well, that's the gospel today. Let's talk about Jesus. Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Jesus, the highly exalted one. It says, Wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Hath given him a name, think about it, which is above every name. The Syriac, Syrian version renders it, which is more excellent than every name. And the Arabic version translated, which is more eminent than every name. And the Ethiopic version thus, which is greater than every name. Now, this is the question I want to pose biblically to you today. Why? Why did God exalt Jesus to be both King and Lord? Why is it that the name of Jesus, we we and all heavenly angels, are to fall on our knees? At the name of Jesus, we're to lift up our hands, our voices, our hearts, and say, Jesus Christ is Lord. Why? Why? What did Jesus do that was so utterly important? What did Jesus do that placed him in such high esteem before angels and people? Now, I want to interject right here as I'm asking and posing this question. The answer is going to be in what he did as man, the Son of Man, and Son of God. Not just Son of God, but Son of Man. God in flesh. It's what he did in flesh. That part of it is why God exalted him by his fleshly name. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, because he will deliver his people from their sin. His title would be called Emmanuel, because he was God with us. Well, listen then. Was it because of the quality of his miracles? Someone said, was it because he was so magical, because he was the happy Houdini? Of the Holy Land, he walked on water, didn't he? He turned water to wine. He raised Lazarus from the dead. Because Jesus was the best miracle worker who ever lived, is that why God exalted him? God exalted him and made his name greater than all other names. Is that the reason that God did that? Or is it because Jesus was raised from the dead? Never in the history of the world have we ever seen a person raised from the dead by the mighty power of God who came back from the dead, who came back to life, not only back to life, but in a resurrected form, a glorified body. Hallelujah. 
Because God used His power and raised Jesus from the dead, therefore God exalted Him above all others? Or is it because Jesus had a divine connection? Because God was His Father and He was the only begotten Son? And because God was, the Son was so special being in the same nature and substance of the Father, that God exalted him above all others? Is that why God really put Jesus in this holiest of holy, highest of high positions? Why? That's the question. And the answer is something that you and I can emulate. You and I can begin to pattern our own life after. Let's read the preceding verses to put these verses in context Philippians 2 5 through 11 it says let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God but made himself no reputation (laughs) and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man. Now remember, he was God incarnate. And this is what he did as a man, not as God himself, even though he was very God and very man. And that's the mystery of godliness. God in flesh. Amen. He humbled himself. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, or because of that, God also hath highly exalted. I want you to go back and underscore, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. God exalted Jesus, therefore, as a man because he humbled himself. He left the splendor of heaven to enter this fallen world. He left the glory of heaven To become our Savior, the Son of God became the Son of Man. He went into the cross or to the cross as our sacrificed lamb to die in our place. And Jesus therefore deserves this place of high honor and praise. If he hadn't humbled himself, he would have never cried in the garden, not my will but thy will be done. If there's any other way, he said, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, this is the humbling of himself. To honor his Father and to save us, he humbled himself and was obedient. You see, it's this humility that allows for this degree of obedience. Without this humility, there would never be this kind of obedience. I want to submit something to you and I today, a challenge to us. If we 
do not develop in humility. We will never bow to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We will never take God's Word to heart and apply it to our life that we might be obedient unto Him as obedient children, not fashioning ourselves after our formal disobedient life. You know, the Bible said of Satan, he's the spirit of disobedience that is, that is working in every, every disobedient person, every person that is rejecting the Lordship of Christ over their life. I'm I'm going to go on record as saying something maybe a little controversial, but I believe it to be true and I believe it to be needful to be said and declared. I do not believe in receiving Christ as your Savior, getting your free ticket to heaven by a, a cheap version of what grace is supposed to do and be in our life without acknowledging His Lordship. I do not believe in a Savior and Lord doctrine. I believe in a Lord and Savior doctrine. I believe that you can't serve two masters. (laughs) You're going to love one and hate the other, Christ said. Or you're going to hate one and love the other. You cannot serve two masters. You have to bow to one or the other. And in Romans 6.16 is very clear, whoever you yield your members' servants to obey, his servant you are whom you obey, whether sin unto death or God unto righteousness. And then it goes on to say in other portions of Scripture, the grace of God that has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness, that, that spirit of disobedience that is permeating the whole world, that is influencing the whole world. Oh, friend of mine, when we get in that new heart, the new covenant says a spiritual transaction takes place when we're truly saved. The heart of stone, that resistant, adamant attitude toward God's rule in our life is going to be taken out. And a heart of flesh is going to be put back in. Oh, when God sees that willingness of our heart, He will help us with the weakness of our flesh. Amen. I have problems obeying because my flesh is weak. And I'm going to tell you, my heart is willing. Amen. And I pray that God helps me to overcome those things that displease Him. I can't live a sinlessly perfect life, neither can you. But I can be perfectly committed to not let sin reign in my mortal body, as the Scripture said. Hallelujah. Don't let it reign. Don't let it rule. And don't let the enemy, don't give place to Him obedience, humility, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and He will exalt you in due season. Isaiah 53 says, He, Jesus, was wounded for our transgression, bruised for our iniquity, chastisement of our peace was upon Him, and He, with His stripes we are healed, all we like sheep have gone astray, and God hath laid on Him the iniquity of us all. Verse 12 says, Therefore, because He humbled Himself, because He died upon the cross, because He took our place, because He took our punishment, therefore, 
will I divide him a portion with the great. He shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. You see, obedient to the death of the cross, because he humbled himself. And he was numbered with the transgressors. He bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Therefore, there it is, just like the new covenant said, he humbled himself, was obedient to the death of the cross, wherefore God hath highly exalted him, divided him a portion with the great, or as one translates, I will give him honors among one who is mighty and great. God exalted him, says our text. God exalted him to the highest place. Amen. In the ancient world, the highest honor a ruler could bestow was to place someone at his right hand. This was the place of honor at the banquet table, the place of honor in the judgment hall. Only the emperor's most trusted advisor or family could occupy this place. The king's right-hand man functioned like a prime minister as the right-hand man. He could rule, give commands, pass judgments, all in the name of the king. In the Bible, the highest place in the universe is the right hand of God. To be seated at the right hand of God is to be given a place of supreme honor and authority. To be seated at the right hand of God is to be made both king and lord. Hallelujah. That's why Psalm 110 in verse 1 says, The Lord, capitalized, (laughs) uppercase, says to my Lord, lowercase, Sit at my right hand. And these words were fulfilled when Christ ascended to heaven over and over again in the New Testament. The message is that the ascended Jesus is sitting right now in this very moment at the right hand of God. Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. This means Jesus has been given power, majesty, and honor. He's seated at the right hand of God. He's been given, therefore, a crown and a throne. Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. This means that Jesus is king and king of kings, in fact, and he is Lord of lords. This means Jesus has been given the highest place and the highest honor in all the universe. To the Israelites who lived in Jerusalem at the time of Jesus' crucifixion. Jesus didn't seem like a king after all. He'd just been put to death like a common criminal. As a lamb dumb before his shears, he opened not his mouth. And to many people today, it doesn't seem like Jesus is Lord ruling and reigning. We watch or listen to the news. It's hard to imagine that he is Lord over all. Thinking of such things as these rumors of war right now and has been continuing, the pandemic, the abortion, the the militant homosexuality, the famines, the persecution of Christians all over the world. You know why there are these problems and these sins? Because not everyone in this world. In fact, most people in this world do not acknowledge Jesus as King of kings and Lord of lords. 
But the unbelief of the world does not take away his crown, and it does not take away his throne. Whether the world acknowledges it or not, he is still king, and he is still Lord. And when he returns, he's not going to be riding a donkey like he rode into Jerusalem, but a white horse symbolizing his complete victory over all. And on his thigh, and the armies of heaven are going to follow him, the scripture said in the book of Revelation. And on his thigh, name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Hallelujah. Praise God. You see, he is Lord in three worlds. Verse 10 says that at the name of Jesus, Every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth. In heaven, make no mistake about it, He is acknowledged and He is exalted. Listen to Revelation 5, 9-14 through 14, while we have some time left. It said, And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book, to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain, hast redeemed us to God by thy blood, out of every kindred, tongue, and people, and nation, and made us unto our God kings and priests, and we with him therefore shall reign upon the earth, you see. Verse 11, And I beheld and heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beast and the elders, the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand and thousands of thousands. I don't know what that works out to be. It, I know it's a number that I can't comprehend nor pronounce. Verse 12 says, Saying with a loud voice, Worthy! is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. We used to sing, Bless that wonderful name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And we should sing it and we should say it and we should proclaim it. Verse 13 says, And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth, there it is. Hallelujah. And such are in the sea, and all that are in them heard I saying, Blessing, and honor, and glory, and power. Every tongue, you see, is going to confess this great truth about Jesus, the highly exalted one. Hallelujah. Amen. Be unto him that sitteth upon the throne, and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever in heaven. Make no mistake about it. Jesus is exalted. And on earth he will be exalted because every knee that does not bow now will bow then when he comes to rule and to reign. Amen. When Queen Victoria had just visited her throne. She went, as is the custom of royalty, to hear the Messiah, Handel's Messiah, rendered. She'd been instructed as her conduct, as to her conduct by those who knew, and was told she must not rise when others stood at the singing of the Hallelujah Chorus. When that magnificent chorus was being sung and the singers were shouting, Hallelujah! Hallelujah, hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. 
she sat with great difficulty. It seemed as if she would rise in spite of the custom of kings and queens. But finally, they came to the part of the chorus where, with a shout, they proclaim him king of kings. And suddenly, the young queen rose and stood with a bowed head. (laughs) Hallelujah. You see, Queen Victoria realized the truth of what Paul said so many centuries ago, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, and in heaven and earth and under the earth. Friend of mine, He is not only going to be exalted on the earth. Every knee will one day bow. Amen. Hallelujah. Listen, friend. But even beneath the earth, He is exalted. There's no such thing as a doubting devil. There's not one unbelieving devil. Nowhere in the pits of hell, no minion of the devils, no cohort of the devil, and the devil himself. The Bible says the devils believe and they tremble. Amen. Nowhere in the netherworld is the name of Jesus not recognized. Devils must bow to him. Death must acquiesce to him. The grave has no power over him. Amen. Glory to God. <laughs> Listen, someone has said this. I want, I want to say this as we get ready to close this message today. To the artist, someone said, he's the altogether lovely. To the architect, he's the chief cornerstone. To the astronomer, he's the son of righteousness. To the baker, he's the living bread. To the banker, he's the hidden treasure. To the biologist, he is the life. To the carpenter, he's the sure foundation. To the doctor, he's the great physician. To the educator, he's the greatest teacher. To the farmer, he's the sower and the lord of the harvest. To the florist, he's the lily of the valley and the rose of Sharon. To the geologist, (laughs) he's the rock of ages. To the horticulturalist, he's the true vine. To the judge, he's the righteous judge. To the juror, he's the true witness. To the jeweler, he's the pearl of great price. To the editor, he's the good tidings of great joy. To the oculist, oculist, he's the light of the eyes. To the philosopher, he's the wisdom of God. To the printer, he's the true type. To the servant, he's the good master. To the student, he's the incarnate truth. To the toiler, he is the giver of rest. To the sinner, he's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. To the Christian, he's the Son of the living God, the Savior, the Redeemer, and Lord. And it's only through his name that salvation is offered. Acts 4.12, Neither is there salvation in any other For there is none other name given under heaven, given among men, whereby we must be saved. Oh, friend of mine, today the question isn't, is he Lord? That is undeniable. The question today is, is he your Lord? The question today, is he my Lord? The question today, if you're a Christian, is he your Lord? Is He your Master? You see, obedience, humility allowing for obedience, even to the death of the cross. Jesus humbled Himself. Have we humbled ourselves? Have we followed His example? 
Have we denied ourselves, taken up our cross in order to follow His example? The Scripture says in Ephesians 5, To be ye followers of God as dear children. (laughs) Followers of God as dear children. Literally as obedient children, because that's what makes children dear. If you've got an obedient child, you've got a very dear child. Because the spirit of disobedience, the the spirit of the enemy now works in the children of disobedience. And that's not just little kids, amen, caught up in in the spirit of the world. But that's men and women that name the name of Christ, that do not bow to His Lordship in their life. They've got the ox and the cart mixed up. The ox before the cart, the cart before the ox. Amen. Because He's not Savior, and then, to whichever degree we decide, we may allow for His Lordship. Jesus put it this way, And why callest thou me, Lord, Lord? And do not which I say. This is not talking about sinless perfection, but this means that this old heart of stone, this adamant heart of disobedience, has been replaced with a heart of flesh through the regeneration of the Holy Spirit, being born again, born from above, His seed, literally implanted in us and remains in us, that we sin not. That doesn't mean, again, sinless perfection. It means if I sin, I'm quick to acknowledge it, quick to repent of it, and quick to ask God's forgiveness for it. Amen. Because my heart is to obey Him. And my flesh is weak, and your flesh is weak. But when He sees the willingness of our heart, He will help us with our weak flesh. But if there's no willingness in my heart... The Scripture said, He that committeth sin in First John. That means to live habitually in with no repentance, no conviction, no compunction about it, is of the devil. The spirit of disobedience, the, the ultimate re- rebel against God is he, that old dragon that rebelled in heaven and, and influenced so many angels to join him in that rebellion. Amen. Friend of mine, Today, the spirit of disobedience is is touching the whole earth. Lawlessness, that attitude of I don't bow to nobody, I don't obey anybody, I do whatever I want. The lawless one is influencing the world and we're seeing the chaos that is created because of that. I want to humble myself under the mighty hand of God. Amen that He might exalt me in due season. How about you? I want to submit myself to God. That's humility. It requires that to submit. And then I can resist the devil from that place and that posture of my heart and my soul, my body. Submit yourself unto God and resist the devil. And watch what happens. And he will flee from you. It doesn't just say resist him and he'll leave you alone. It says submit yourself unto God. This is you not about the authority of the believer over the devil to use the name of Jesus. It requires a submitted mind and a submit. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Jesus Christ, 
who though he thought it not robbery to be called equal with God, he humbled himself and was obedient even to the death of the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him, given him a name which is above every name in heaven, earth, and beneath the earth, that at the sound of his name every knee will bow and every tongue should confess that he is Lord. How about it today? Christian, is he your Lord? Is he truly your Lord? You know, a day is going to come when the Bible said many are going to stand before him whom God hath exalted and made both Lord and King and say, Lord, Lord, we did mighty works in your name. We cast out devils in your name. We did all of these things in your name. And Jesus will say, Depart from me, you that work iniquity, you that live out your disobedient heart marked by a disobedient life. Obedience. Obedience. Amen. Obedience is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. You don't want to wait till you stand before Him and hear Him say, Depart from me, because you never accepted His rule in your life. You never bowed your heart, bowed your knee. Friend of mine, if you don't know Jesus today, it's time to bow your heart, bow your knee, confess your sin, repent of your sin, receive His offer of salvation. And the new covenant declares that when it comes, and it came when Jesus died on the cross and rose again, it was put into effect. He said, I'll take out that heart of stone, that adamant heart, that disobedient heart, and I'll replace it with a heart of flesh. Praise God, that that is soft and pliable. (laughs) Glory to God. You see, this don't work from the outside in. This works from the inside out. Come to Christ today. Run to Christ today. Receive Him as your Lord and your Savior. And then resist the devil as you submit to God. And watch Him flee from you. In Jesus' name.